Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I am your host, Gregory Turner. And I'm your co-host, Brian J. Henderson. Brian, we're going to talk about something tonight that a lot of people are at odds about. Mm. Some people, some people's opinions are so strong, Brian, that they've even uh, violated others because others may not believe what they believe in this particular situation. And Brian, the sad thing about all of it is it's what we think and what we believe to be true, but we cannot force that on someone else. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead, Brian. I'm sorry. uh, I was going to say, you know, the the thing about it is that it all boils down to a personal choice and a personal decision that you have to make and that you have to live with. And there are some people that, well, actually many people believe that that's something that should be legislated from the bench rather than coming from your own personal, from your heart. You know, and if anybody's trying to figure out what we're talking about, we're talking about the issue of, of abortion. And, you know, again, it's a, it's, a, it's a very fine line you have to walk when you talk about this issue because there are some people that are just so passionate about it. You know, yeah. and uh, yeah. they... they some people are, are to the point where they are actually ready to take life so they can preserve life. Now, if you think that's kind of, you know, in my opinion, that's kind of crazy. <laughs> but, you know, at the same time, that's just how passionate they are about the issue. Yes, yes. And, and the sad thing about it is we all have our bodies and there's certain things that we feel that we can do. Uh, to our bodies, as long as we're not harming someone else. A lot of people believe that if a woman has an abortion, she's harmed a child. Some say that that the conception that is a human being, that's uh, murder, that's, that's a sad and serious act to stop that life. But, Brian, what happens if that person is raped and is now pregnant? and has never wanted children? Or what if the father committed incest and, and slept with his daughter, uh, and now she's pregnant, and now she's got to have this baby and be reminded that this is her father's child? That's a tough situation to be in. And some believe that abortion is wrong no matter the situation. doesn't matter. If she was raped, it doesn't matter if it was incest. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if that woman ever wanted to have kids. But Brian, some say that she should have the kid, or either have a, an adoption, or do something else, but still give birth to the child. 
You know, I mean, there are also some other cases where, um, you know, and I've read this, where there's the child has a physical or mental deformity, and they don't believe that the child will survive long outside of the woman, so they believe that they should abort the child, and that would be in the best for uh, if the child is, if it's in a situation where the the mother is at risk of dying because of the child, they believe that they should abort that child as well. And so you have a lot of different issues that that come up, and, you know, a lot of people are just on the fence about the issue. But we have a great guest tonight. Greg, will you go ahead and introduce our guest for us? Yes, we have a best-selling author who knows a little bit about the subject. Well, not a little bit. She knows a lot about the subject. She's passionate about it. And, Brian, she's probably been all over the radio stations, probably all over the place, and a lot of people have heard from her. But, Brian, she she's the author of a book, Some Reasons Why Kids Gone By. Mm. Now, it's a powerful, powerful book. It's a chilling book. It's it's a book that will take you inside the room, and Brian, you'll feel that steel and cold table that a lot of women will have to at some point if they agree to have an abortion. They have to sit up on this steel table. It may not be by choice. Some say, well, they do have a choice, but if they're raped and it's a little girl, 14, 15 years old, that's pregnant, what do you do? And, Brian, she was forced with making that decision, and I'm so glad that she's being transparent to come out and speak about it. And, Brian, I am going to bring uh, Ms. Williams on because I really believe that, that a lot of people need to hear from her. She's strong, but, Brian, she is a human being, and, and she knows what it feels like to make a decision like this, and I'm sure it always comes back, and I'm sure, Brian, it's in the back of her mind or in the front of her mind that, that this is something that she had to come to grips with. But uh, without further ado, I want to bring in the best-selling author, Cheryl Williams. Cheryl, are you there? I am. Thank you, Greg. Thank you, Brian, for having me again. Yes. I appreciate you all having me on the show. Um, I know this has been a popular subject um, wherever I speak on it. And um, I'm glad to have another opportunity to do so. Yes, yes. You know, I, I'm sure you heard Brian and I dialoguing back and forth about the issue of, of a person that uh, is raped, and some believe, mm -hmm. and these are even some lawmakers or some people that's in the government working for us believe that no matter what, if you're pregnant, you need to give birth to the child. What are your thoughts on that? I'll tell you the truth, and, and this is the truth. Nothing is absolute. You know, we hear people make um, judgments against others. We hear people formulate opinions, but, you know, I've, I've learned in my young life nothing is absolute. Even when God looks at a subject, let's just, for example, the best example I feel, it, when God looks at a subject, is something that he does from a multifaceted point of view. If you notice in the Bible, the reason that so many people get confused about the different scriptures is because it doesn't ever say one thing one way. 
there's always a multiplicity of ways that God looks at uh, spirituality, himself, life. So nothing is absolute. Now, having said that, I have been in that predicament uh, on more than one occasion. Um, in the book, I discuss in graphic detail about how um, I was, for the first time at 14, 13, 14 years old, and for the second time at 19 years old, forced in that position. So um, having said that, I, I want people to have an open mind about the subject because when you think of something only one way, it can't be right. You can't only think of something one way. Even when you know when you think of it, it, when you think of the Father, there's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God even presented Himself in in three faceted ways. Not to say that He, I'm not saying polytheism. I'm just saying He even presented Himself for us to look at in different points of view. He gave us a physical point of view in Jesus. He gave us a spiritual point of view in the Holy Spirit, and He gave us a, a, a overall authoritative point of view in the Father. So. Um, I've been in that predicament. I'm open to I'm open to any questions. I'd like to open up early for questions for anybody who has a question who'd like to ask me a question because I'm sure there are people and I get this all the time. There are people who are listening who are saying, you know, I heard your broadcast. I wanted to ask you this question, but I was really too uncomfortable. If that's you, you don't. If we can maintain your anonymity, you don't have to tell us your name. You don't have to tell us the circumstance, if you just want to ask me a question, you know, we can open open that up. And in the meantime, guys, you can, if you have, you all have some questions that you want to ask me, um, feel free, as you mentioned earlier on, um, sometimes it can be a bit graphic, but I'm going to tell you the truth from my perspective. And it's the only perspective I can give you, but it's a, it's a true live account of what actually happened to me and that's how frank the book is because it's based on true stories. Not only in the book do I give you my perspective, but I also give people, people have sent me mail from, from different perspectives, from a male's perspective, from foreign, a foreign perspective, from a child's perspective, from an old woman's perspective. So there are so many different points of view in there. Um, getting back initially to your question, that's why I don't look, I don't look, I'm not, um, I'm not pro-choice per se, but the reason that I look at it this way because I know that there's so many different circumstances involved. There's so many different scenarios involved, and there's so many different uh, things that can happen to you in life. A person who, for example, is 14 years old, doesn't look at life the same way as somebody who's 65 years old. It's just because of the things that change you in life, the circumstances you've been in, the people you meet, the things that have happened to you in life, that slightly change your perspective. And that's what it's all about in life anyway. We, uh, we interact with one another. We react with one another. We help one another. And we influence one another, like it or not. So... I'm not per se pro-choice, but I am a Christian. I do have certain standards, but I also want people to understand that 
You cannot say that this is absolutely going to happen in life because that's not the way life is. Life is uncertain, and life is full of uncertainties. And we have scriptures to guide us in the right direction, but there's still going to be those gray areas where you have to make a decision, and that's why God gave us freedom of choice. We have to make that decision, and hopefully we make the right decision, but we still have a choice to make that decision, and people should take into account that point of view when they're trying to be so judgmental. And I don't know why the Holy Spirit is taking me in this direction, but it's just that, you know, I get a lot, you know, people will, I've had people say to me, that's, how can, why would you dare write something like that? That, that, I mean, that's just horrible, you know, or why would you open yourself up like that or how, you know, how dare you? And it's because to me, it's a testimony. And our job in life, like I said, is to influence one another to the best of our abilities, to the most, to most positive point in our lives, the most positive, positive points in our ability to reach people for a good, for the common good, for a positive perspective. So if you can influence somebody in a positive way or if you can present something to somebody and give them a slightly different point of view or open up their minds just a little bit more, then you've, you've, you've satisfied your point of view in life. You know, you've satisfied what you're supposed to do because that's how we're supposed to influence each other. Even the body of Christ is like that. We're supposed to influence one another because it talks about in the Bible where we have different members in the body. And God talks about how one member affects the other member. And this is the, the true meaning of what that perspective is. And so when people come to me and ask me, why would I open up myself like that and put myself out there like that? I always speak on this subject because so many people ask me, but just as many people that ask me, you can believe that a hundred times that amount say to me, you know, I, I was in that situation when I was younger, or you know my granddaughter is in that situation now, or I had an aunt who, you know what I'm saying, there's always somebody who can relate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure, let me chime in. I want to ask you, because I, I know someone personally who mm -hmm. actually had, I think it was either seven, maybe six or seven abortions. I can imagine. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, the one thing that when she was ready to have kids, she had trouble conceiving. Right. So she had a few more miscarriages. Right. That. You know, what does that, what does abortion actually, when, some, when someone has an abortion, what does that do to the body physically? I'll be honest with you guys, you know, that either that moves me, that brings me to tears because that was, I had the choice. I have a friend, a, I'm not going to mention any name, whether it's a male friend, female, whatever, but somebody who was in that very same situation who was close to somebody who had like nine, ten abortions. I mean, but this this is the reason that I opened myself up because people are using abortion as a form of birth control, as a birth control method. This is trashing your body, ladies. This is trashing your body, ladies. One abortion is horrible. One abortion is horrendous. Two abortions is detrimental. Not only are they life and life, not only are they a surgical procedure that you have to go under the, you, you have to be anesthetized. You have to go under anesthesia to have these procedures. 
So anytime you go under any kind of anesthesia, it is a life-threatening situation because there's a chance that you may not wake up. Yeah. Number two is there are di- the different forms of of abortion. There is a surclage. There is, is a cutting away. There is there is one that sucks out the fetus. There are abortions that now here in the United States, land of the free, home of the brave, where people are giving people abortions in third and fourth trimester, which means the latent stages of abortion, where these women are literally, if it was, if they didn't believe it was a fetus, if they thought it was a, a blood spot in the beginning, you surely can't tell me you thought it was a blood spot at, 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 at the trimester of what, 12, 10 weeks? And it is killing the body. It is killing the spirit. It is killing the mind. It will make you question your own self, your own sanity, and anything that makes you question yourself. If you have to question yourself about something, and I've learned this. I'm, I, my birthday is tomorrow. I'll be 45. In 45 years, I've learned. If you have to question yourself about something, for whether it's something casual or whether it's something severe or, or something that's, that's, uh, that's um, serious, then this is some, this is a, a question that's being posed to you to make a right or wrong choice. And you have the choice between right and wrong, but you know that if you have to make a right or wrong choice, you consciously, if you're a morally good person, and whatever the religion, I'm, just, I'm not debating religion, I'm just saying, if you're a morally good person, then you make a decision to make the right, what you feel in your heart is the right decision. But if something poses you and brings you to the point in yourself where you have to make a decision like that between right and wrong, then that's a temptation no matter how you look at it. And if you make that wrong decision, you will suffer because you're going against your own self. You're going against what people say, your own grain. Yeah. yeah. Now, so, get, I was going to say, getting back to what you were saying, yeah. it will kill you spiritually because if you're a spiritual woman, let's say, that, let's say if you're a Catholic, for example, and you don't believe ever in abortion at all, uh, or if you, you know, or if you're a woman who is, let's say, um, quote unquote, let's say you're a prostitute, okay, and and you've been pregnant, impregnated a couple of times, maybe several times, and you are constantly going under that procedure and constantly going through that mentally. No matter how you, I'm just giving different perspectives. You know, getting back to what I was saying about the different perspectives, different ways to look at. It. These are you. You can't say that there's an absolute situation. We all believe in God in one form or another, whether we debate religion or not. I happen to be a Christian, and I believe in Jesus Christ emphatically. But there are people who don't believe that way. But we all believe in the sanctity of life. We all want our children to grow up basically what how we feel morally. We want them to make the right decisions in life. We want them to influence life in some way, in a positive way, whether it be, you know, you hear your parents talk about, I want my son to be a doctor or whatever. This is, you see what I'm saying? We all have some things in common. But when something brings you to the point where you have to make a right or wrong decision, if you go against what you're feeling, if you go against what you believe is right, 
then you know that you have made the wrong decision. Abortion is one of those issues that will cut you to the core. You know, I believe that, you know, the Bible says uh, dividing the marrow and the bone asunder is one of those situations that is back ruling because you now have a life inside of you. You are no longer just responsible for yourself. You are responsible for another human being. And when you make that decision to interrupt that, to tear that away from yourself in abortion, that is a feeling that that is a feeling that is indescribable. Because during the time that and getting a little graphic, just if you bear with me for a minute, during the time that we talked about the uh well, you talked spoke of the steel cold steel steel um stirrups in the in the uh, operating room. When you feel that tearing away from yourself and you know that that is a part of yourself, a part of a, a God-given life, a part of yourself, a part of somebody else, whoever the father is, that's a feeling that never leaves you. And you can come to terms with it the best you can. You can reconcile the whole situation in your mind the best you can. You Maybe you can justify it because in my situation I had some circumstances that I had to be forced into it, but you never forget it. And that's a long about, a roundabout answer to your question, but it was the most complete answer I can give you. You never forget it. Right, right. You know, Cheryl, uh, um, I want to ask you about uh, Sarah Palin. Right uh-huh. now she's John McCain's uh, running mate. Oh, right. Yeah, she said that, a woman shouldn't be given or shouldn't have the choice of an abortion at any cost, no matter what. You know, um, you know, based on what my understanding is, and I've just done basic information and her basic thing, any information anybody can get off the Internet, but she, my understanding is that um, she belongs to a group called the Feminists for Life, the Feminists for Life is a pro-choice group. They are saying that, and you know, when 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 she first got um, nominated, they were, you know, they want to put the publicity out there because she is a member of the group, and so this is why his the subject has the group subject has become so popular. But my understanding is that they believe that women should be empowered, should be empowered with the choice. Um, for instance, between a career and maybe a baby or should, you know, you should have that choice, which says to me that that's a pro-choice situation. So I don't know what the extent of her involvement in this group is, but I do know that it's on, it's on the Internet, it's been on the news, it's called Feminist for Life. And I, so I did, out of curiosity, having, um, <clears throat> excuse me, having um, done a little bit of research, a little bit of research that I did in my book, uh, out of natural curiosity, the book is the book um, sent me there, you know, carried me there, gave me the right to, or being American gave me the right to just follow up. And what I found was this group is not pro-life. It's more pro-choice than pro-life. And she says that she is pro-life, and I'm not disputing that because I say the same thing about myself, and people may say what they will, 
but it just looks differently when you're in that kind of a position because you have people who are uh, looking up to you, people who expect you, you know, you're in a certain responsibility as a nominee, and you have a certain kind of um, definitive about definitiveness about yourself and about the answers you give. And I found that this group, Feminists for Life, was a pro-choice group, and that they believe that women should have the right to have the freedom to have an abortion if they want. So this is, um, I mean, and a lot of people argue about the situation. Now, I'm not Miss Palin. I'm not in her position. She's not, she wasn't in my part, I know. But what I'm saying is that she was in a predicament where she was faced with the choice of whether or not to have a child with Down syndrome or whether or not to abort the pregnancy to any woman in that position would be any woman in that position they would rec doctors would recommend that or would pose the same choice to uh, a woman in that predicament because she's an older older woman she's about my age about 44 or 45 and um you know she made the decision a, a, another thing is that a lot of times what we don't know, what is not said about a woman in this situation, any woman, is that because she was faced with Down syndrome, what they had to do was a test called an amno amniocentesis. Now, I've had it done myself as a young woman when I was 19. When I was in the, involved in that second uh, miscarriage, it's called amniocentesis, and what they do is they stick a needle through the navel, through into the amniotic fluid of the baby, and withdraw some out. What is not said commonly about that test is that if you are already in certain trimesters of pregnancy, the test becomes more of a risk than it does a help most of the time because of age factors. I'm not a doctor. I'm just saying what I know from my own experiences, for what doctors have told me when I was in that situation. Now, from it becomes more of a risk factor because of age, because of risk to the baby, because of what trimester you're in, and just the, 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 the procedure in, in itself. So to make that decision... You know, to having made decisions like maybe being in a group or whatever or uh, have, having amniocentesis during that time, those are things, those are personal choices that people make. But it's, it's to say that, you know, emphatically, well, this is wrong and I don't believe that. Anybody, um, you know, anybody with wisdom in life or having some wisdom in life, me having some wisdom in life, I have come to the knowledge that those are risk factors. You know, I had to go through it. That's that's why I know it's a risk factor. And if I, if you guys have interviewed me on a couple of occasions, about three or four occasions, and I've said across the board to anybody I speak to, I'm a wide open person. I make decisions and I make definitive decisions, and I always stand on my word. And more importantly to me. I'm a Christian, and I stand on Christ's word. 
So I'm not uh, wishy-washy. I'm not, I'm not going to make a decision that appears to be one thing and it says something else. Because if you ask me a question, I'm going to tell you straight up, this is why I did it, you know, and this is why I, I get into so much trouble with people asking me, especially the older women, you know, they ask me, well, why would you, you know, you know, when I was, when we were um, that age, that, that kind of thing was personal and you really shouldn't, but, you know, like I said, um, I, you know, if you put yourself out there, you have to be consistent. So this is, uh, in this situation, you know, it's, 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 it's not as consistent as it may seem. You know, just not as consistent as it may seem. Yeah. You know, on the issue of Sarah Palin, you know, you have a lot of women that um, that are pro-choice, and you have a lot of women that are not pro-choice. Right. And, you know, you have a certain segment that are pro-choice, but also pro-life. Right. So they believe it's that it's ultimately the women's decision and hers alone and they don't believe that it should be something that's passed through legislation or, you know, in some other terms. You know, and, you know, to be honest, it's sort of like a sign of the times because, you know, there was a time where it was absolutely legal, and then there were times where it wasn't legal, and now, you know, it's sort of like it's legal, but, you know, is it moral and so forth. You know, what is your take on, like, the current state of the presidential election, and how do you think that, uh, it would affect that particular uh, issue of, you know, abortion rights. I'll be honest with you. I'm in that middle group. The last group you mentioned, that middle, that halfway group, and it's not because I'm not definitive. I'm just going to explain it this way. And you, and you all, have, and I have talked about this before. Now, I am a Christian, emphatically, without a doubt consecrated, <laughs> Holy Ghost filled, you know what I'm saying? But I have this opinion, and that is, and this is it. If, when I was in the situation that I was in, and this is just for people who don't know what's in the book, I was 13, 14 years old. I had lost my virginity, which was the stupidest mistake that you can make, but, but girls make stupid mistakes. And I got pregnant the first time I lost my virginity. And I was devastated, and I was frightened, and I sought, excuse me, I'm sorry because I moved. I sought the help of a doctor. I went to a clinic, and I went to a doctor who I thought would give me some good advice. Now, I went to this doctor, and she was an intern. What she did was, instead of, when I told her that I, my scenario that I had had uh, intercourse and that uh, my, I had stopped my monthly periods and, you know, instead of giving me a pregnancy test, she put inside of my uterus, while the child was inside of my uterus, a, a copper seven device called an IUD, intrauterine device. An intrauterine device is a contraceptive device. It's not as commonly used as it was when I was a little bit younger, but it's still used to some degree, but it's not as commonly used. This is was my scenario. Now, I bled for two weeks until I, my own person, my Lord said to me, my heart said to me, you better go back to the doctors because something is wrong. 
And so I went back to the same clinic, and I saw the same doctor, and she realized what she had done. Because when I was on them, on those steroids, and she was pulling that IUD out of me, and I was in so much pain, and blood clots were blocked. I mean, I'm being graphic, but this is the truth. I was clotting all over the place, and she pulled this IUD out of me. The look on her face, I would just will never forget in life. I will never forget the look on her because she knew she was wrong, and that told me that she was wrong. So when you're in a situation at 14 years old, and this is what you're faced with, and I didn't tell my mother about it because I was terrified because my parents were wonderful people, married till the day they would die, African-American staunch Christian folk who, who taught me right. You know, people say, well, maybe her parents didn't teach her right or whatever. You know, that's not the case. It's just, it just goes back to what I was saying earlier about you make choices in life that you suffer the consequences for for an eternity, and if you don't believe and spirituality, if you don't believe in Jesus, you, you, then you, you are lost because uh, these choices follow you for life. So in that circumstance, I cannot look anybody in the face. I can't look a young girl in the face who reads my book, and I don't care how old she is. I can't look her in the face, and I can't honestly tell you guys, yeah, I'm, I'm pro-life, <laughs> you know. I'm pro-life. Because I, I am pro-life, but you can't. But at that particular time, the result of that mishap, you know, because I could, you know, in a, being a Christian, I still could use stronger terms. But but as a result of that doctor's mishap, I bled constantly, almost constantly, for the rest of my life, to the point where I had to have. Uh, what they call DNCs, which are um, cutterages of the uterus where they scrape off excess because I have, I bled more than normally for the rest of my life, more than normal for the rest of my life. And that took me to a place where I was young, I was idealistic, I was hopeful, I wanted to have children. You know, I look forward to having children in the future. All that had been taken away by intern's mistake. And so when I can't look anybody in the face and tell them that I am pro-life and that you never should have an abortion. And anybody in that predicament, it, the truth of the matter is, anybody in that predicament who lies to themselves and, and tells them, and anybody who, who would say to me, you should have you should have held on and you should have held that baby and you know I thought about that and I tried but knowing that that child was probably mutilated and and thinking oh um I'm sorry excuse me I have never been this moved thinking all that and thinking the things in your mind that you that you go through when you have an abortion and you wonder to yourself. What is this child going to look like? Now you start to wonder, God, is this child going to be deformed? You know, and that's the things that go through your mind. And anybody in that predicament, probably 99.9 out of 10% of chance would have made the same decision. That's being 
pro-life because I now made the choice to praise for my child's soul to go to heaven as opposed to bringing a child into existence that I thought would be deformed or not have a chance at life at all or, um, you know, I didn't know what to think. You know, and when you're 13 years old, it's exacerbated. You don't know what to think. You don't know, you know, your mind go, does all kinds of things because this was my initial time at, at being involved with a young man, and I didn't know what to think. And my parents came from the old school. They didn't teach me. My mother didn't put, sit me down and teach me about sex. My mother told me, and this is wild, but she told me, she said, um, be careful when you get your monthly now because somebody can stick something up you and you can get pregnant. And I thought to myself, oh, my God, what are they going to stick up me? You know what I'm saying? This is the kind of, and we, you know, some people may laugh, some people may snicker, whatever, but this is the kind of thing that we tell our young women when we aren't honest with them. And so that's why I wrote the book. And that's why I can never say to anybody that I am pro-choice, I mean that I am, never say to anybody that I am pro-life and not pro-choice. Because when you're in a predicament like that, you will learn quickly. Life teaches you quickly that there are gray areas that you're just going to have to pray your way through, baby. You know, just hearing your story and hearing, you know, the things that you have also expressed in the book, it's like, wow, you know. You're, yeah. you're almost at a loss for words because, yeah. Yeah. you know, I, I, I was actually to the point where I didn't have another question because I was so engulfed in what you were saying, you know. But um, I want to I want to really get back to the issue of um, the political scene right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. you have uh, on one hand where uh, Barack Obama is saying that he fears that a ban on abortion would cause a lot of people to go to the, you know, to the dark corners of the, you know, abortion world where they're done with, you know, coat hangers versus stirrups. And that's exactly right. I agree with Barack Obama 100%. Having gone through the experience twice, I know exactly what he means because having been in that situation, if I, at 13, 14 years old, would have had to make the choice to have a back alley abortion or to think about a fetus inside of me that may have been deformed or may have been um, maybe could have been, you know, I mean, this is harsh, but it could have been mentally grotesque. You have to think of these things. That, you know, to me, in Galatians, the fifth chapter, 19 first, it talks about abuse in the Bible. Now, to me, that's abuse. If you know, and I, I don't, I don't, I would want to. This is my personal decisions, but for me at that age to have been saddled, and, and you have to think of it that way. I would have been saddled with a child with a child that may have been and people and you have people who are so idealistic, oh maybe would have you know, 
That's not reality. Reality is that if children, if young women, if young women in my experience, if young women, different scenarios in the book, older women, there's an older woman in my book. It's called Miss Eunice, if you please, and if that's the chapter. Please get the book, Some Reasons Why Kids Gone By and Read It, because this is why, one of the reasons that I support Barack Obama and his decision, because if I were forced, like Miss Eunice, who was at her age, at, at, she was telling this story, and she was about 65, 70 years of, of age, how she went into her bathtub and took a handful of aspirin and used a wire hanger and inserted it inside herself. And this is graphic, but this is the truth. I mean, this is what's happening, and this is what will happen again if people ban abortion. Because don't think that people are going to put themselves, like I said, I felt saddled. At 14 years old, I, that, that's, that's too much for anybody to take. At 14 years old, and, and, and th- those kinds of decisions, I mean, at, at 50 years old, at, at 20 years old, those kinds of decisions are too much on the heart. And I started talking about how Galatians talks about abuse. That is a form of abuse. If you force somebody into that predicament, like I was forced in that predicament, surely I would have made that choice. If I would have had to, had a bag alley abortion, yes, I would have, because that was too much on my brain, and it was too much on my heart at 14 years old. And it's not fair, but guess what? Life is not fair. But we do the best we can to make the best decisions, and that's why we trust our leaders to, to make the best decisions. And I don't mind saying I'm a supporter of Barack Obama because I believe in his family, I believe in the wholesomeness, and we all believe that. And that's what we need to get back to in life. And I believe that he will make the right decisions. And I, I, mean, I am entrusting my, my vote to him, my, my confidence to him. And sure. I, I really sure. feel that when he made the decision to run, they, you know, you think about all those different perspectives. And to make a choice like that is a wise choice. To make a stance like that is a wise stance. That's a wise stance. Because if somebody who has thought this through and who's seen those, bad, you know, who's seen statistics probably or different, you know, read different things and it, it, it read different things and have seen different things about how these kinds of things can occur. That is why I believe that that stance is, is the right one for me, and I believe it's the right stance in my opinion. Well, sure. Let me ask you this. We, we, we have someone in the – chat room wanted to know how did you become pregnant at the age of 14? Did you uh, have sex with someone willingly or were you raped? Yeah, I did. I was, this is what happened, and this is in the book, but this is what happened. I went to a Christian ashram. Okay, I was at a Christian ashram. It was a church retreat and some of the teenagers there decided that we wanted to have a party. I mean, the goal, you would think, you know, now at this age, I would think, you know, at 20, I would think the goal, you know, but we decided we wanted to have a party. And so there was alcohol there and there were some drugs there at a Christian retreat. And 
we snuck away in this little basement or whatever, and um, everybody was dancing and whatever, whatever. And so I willingly, I was inebriated, and I would not have made that choice in my own sober mind because I was pretty reasonable, I mean pretty reasonable at that time, I think pretty reasonably now, but I would not have made that choice if I wasn't inebriated. But we were high, and so I made the wrong decision. And I lost my virginity willingly, yes, willingly, and I got pregnant. Wow. And, you know, you just brought uh, to mind something that I read. As You know, Greg and I, we teach abortion, not abortion, I'm sorry, um, abstinence education courses. And one thing that I learned was that three-fourths, three-fourths, of all teenagers who have had sex have done it with the assistance of some form of alcohol or drugs. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm thinking that's three out of four. Right. You know, and so that's another another thing to think about, you know, when you are talking to people about abortions. It is. is You have to be very, you have to be in your right mind when you're making these types of decisions because they're, you know, That's just like in your case, you said you were inebriated, you know, you were out, yeah. you know, yeah. making the wrong decisions, making the wrong choices, you know, hanging with who you considered, I guess, the right people because you figured you were the church group, <laughs> you know, right. what's the worst that could happen right. in church? Right. You know, but, you know, you had a particular element there that, you know, introduced some things. And so, you know, it's it's so important. And, you know, I know that's what Greg teaches when he's talking to you, you know, and, um, me myself, I've been I've been working with a group of males, and so it's not really easy to talk about abortion to boys because they don't have to have them, you know. But yeah. what if you if you had to go and talk to a group of young males about the issue of abortion, what would be some of the points that you would you know hit on? You know, I really would start off. You know, I bet you I can guess what the other fourth of that is, and it's probably peer pressure. Because a lot of young men and a lot of young women, and this is regardless of what generation you come from, succumb to peer pressure. And the reason, the number one reason for that is because we all want to be loved and we all want to be accepted. And no matter how your parents love you, you go to a point, you get to a point in life where you, where you start to veer off and you start to become your own person. And so you pick your own friends based on what your needs are. Now, if you pick the wrong friends and you pick people who are pushing you into drugs or pushing you into sex or telling you you have to do this or you or try this and you know to be to be accepted or to be cool, then you, that you you reduce yourself to their level. But you know, and that's nicely put. Okay, you reduce yourself to that level because it's all about the peer pressure because we all want to be loved. The thing about it is I would recommend that they examine themselves. First of all, pick it, choose your friends very wisely. Choose your friends very wisely because those male friends that are telling you that they're getting all the girls and they got this girl, many of them are going home on Saturday night and they're lonely too. And a lot of them, the ones who are being proactive and backing up or trying to back up what they're saying 
are doing that because for the same reason. They want to be loved just like you want to be loved. And so I would choose my friends wisely. That would be the first step. Second step would be care about a person like you care about yourself. You know, care about a person like you care about yourself. If you don't want somebody forcing themselves, you know, with dirty breath and, and moving hands and, and biting all over your sister or your mother, you know, why would you force yourself like that on somebody else? Or why would you let somebody influence you to do that? You know, you have to think about how you feel, you know, how you, would, how you want to represent yourself in life. You don't want to go through life, fairly, you don't want to go through life with a criminal record because nowadays date rate is becoming more, it is becoming more popular, but it's also becoming uh, more, more widely reported, just like every other rate is becoming more widely reported, you know? So, you know, you have to think about these things. It's all about making the right decisions. That comes back to that one decision. You know, you either make the right decision or you don't. And you know within yourself what the right decision is. Yeah. You know, we sure, all you know what? Cheryl, I want to say this. A lot of the boys uh, from teaching the absence training classes that Brian and I teach, a lot of the mm-hmm. boys are being forced into having sex now. Because if they don't have sex with the girls, the girls are saying certain things or people are thinking a certain way. So they they go ahead and do it. But really the girls in this time, you know, they are a lot more aggressive than the boys. Yeah. But, you know, it's a generation that we made ourselves because it's being the young women are a lot more sexually explicit on television. These young women are using their bodies like, well, uh, I'm trying to think of it. <laughs> well, they're, 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 loose, they're loosely using their bodies. They're flaunting their bodies in public. And when you get to a certain age, you want to experiment with sex. That's just normal. I mean, that's normal. We, another thing is we shouldn't, for one thing, if we didn't keep it under such wraps to the point where, we didn't talk to our children about what's going on with drugs and what's going on with sex. We need to talk to our children to open up those windows and open up those doors and say, "Look, son, you know I was your age. I know what it feels like. I know this. You know how you, you know I'm, I'm human. You know I did. The, you know it's, it's about talking to your son, I, or your your nephew or your, your grandson. You know I did this. I did this. We understand. The young women are beautiful." They're more explicit these days, and it's about talking to these young women and saying, "Look, exactly, do exactly what I did. Say, look, I'm wide open. You can ask me any questions. I did this. I did this. You know, I made mistakes in life. I turned out to be the per- the wonderful person that I am because of the grace of God and because I made some right decisions instead of all wrong decisions. You know, but it's about opening up the lines of communication." You know, we have to open up the lines of communication and say to our young women, respect yourself. Respect yourself. You have got to respect yourself because people in the world will look at you, they will use you, and when you are all used up, you are all used up. And that's just the reality of it all. And it's the same thing for the young men. If you if you decide that you want to live a life where you want to just stay and have a constant one after another girlfriend, and, and you want to live the, the what they call a high life. Why? I don't know why. You know, when you want to live a life where 
you know, you want to um, be involved in drugs and, you know, that's not, that's not what life is all about. There's more to life than that. You know, there's more to life than, than getting past it. And any young girl who's had an abortion, any young girl who's had a baby or two or three, and any young boy who's had a father and a child or who's gotten a, a syphilis or worse yet AIDS can tell you that was a wrong decision. Make the right decision. You always have a choice. You always have a choice. Well, you know, Cheryl, in this day and age, the choice is, I think what we always try to teach to our youth is that you have power and authority over your choices. Right. You just don't have any power and authority over the consequences that comes with those choices yeah. when you make a bad choice. Now, there are consequences, and they are coming. You just don't know when and how they're going to come. Yeah. But they will come. You will pay for it at some point. And for a lot of the girls that are out there that are, are facing making that decision, it's tough. It, it is really yeah. tough, especially when you have a young woman that's being raised and the family, there's no money. The situation is already bad. The mother is not there, and, and no one is in the household. And now she's faced with, do I finish high school? Uh, do I have this kid and uh, have someone adopted? What do I do? And sure, a lot of the kids are making these choices based on what their peers are telling them because in a lot of places, the parents don't have to know anything about it. That's exactly the truth because that's exactly what happened to me because there is an unwritten rule. Now, I've never lived in another country, so I can't speak of other countries. I can only speak of statistics, but there's an unwritten rule in the country we live in where you do not have to get permission from your parents if you are a teenager to have an abortion. And I know that for a fact because I did it twice. And I know that for a fact because I've studied it. And I know that because I've talked to people and gotten people's results through the mail and different things, and people have told me these things. And I know, you know, people have told me their true story. They've entrusted their lives to me. They've told their personal lives. This is an unwritten rule. You do not have to get permission from your parents to have an abortion. You would have to get permission from your parents if you went to the doctor and had to get stitches. And, you know, when you think about it, this is, I mean, it's just really ridiculous, really ridiculous. If you broke your arm and you were 16 years old, you would have to get permission to for, to to. Get, for a doctor would have to get permission from parents to treat that child because of lawsuits. Mm -hmm. But but because abortion is a money maker, and because abortion is a lot of poor young women have abortion, and if you want to know the truth about it, a lot of programs are supporting abortion, and it's a moneymaker. Now, I'm not saying, like I said earlier, I'm not saying to just eradicate all the programs. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying there are some situations, and I'm not making judgment, but if I were in that situation, the situation, and I was, 
the situation I was in warranted where I felt anybody would have made the right decision. But I felt that was the right decision, and I felt like anybody would have made that decision. But for the same purpose, it's still big business, and that's one of the reasons why it hasn't been eradicated. It needs to be, I'm not saying it needs to be completely cut out, but it does need to be regulated. It needs to be regulated. It, mm-hmm. it needs to be regulated to the point where, like uh, Senator mm-hmm. Obama says, where these young women don't go out and have back alley abortions. Yeah, but, that, you know, that's what I was going to ask you. Do you think it needs to, to be uh, a state-mandated thing or a federally-mandated thing, or do you think it just needs to be something that people do on a personal level? You know, because I think that's really what the big issue is now. Most people don't want it being legislated from the uh, federal government. Many people believe that it's, you know, the federal government is overstepping the yeah, power of the state. You have to think of it. This, this is the way I think of it, and I'll be honest. The reason that God puts leaders in, in positions of leadership is because they are a little more savvy. They are a little more wiser. They're more wiser. They're more savvy. They're more knowledgeable. They have more experience. And they see, at, at Senator Obama at his level, you know, he's seen the different statistics. So, he know, you know, they know the different statistics that, are, um, that come across their desk every day. So they see what happens to these children, and they see what happens to the to the the children that are having children, and they see the crime statistics, and they see the murder statistics, they see the drugs, all these things are intertwined. It's all about the social issues. So if God put, you know, my feeling is that if God gave these leaders enough wisdom and put them in the place where they have enough wisdom to make the proper decisions. If the people back them up, if enough people back them up, that is a majority that believes that these are the things that should be put into place. That's the key issue. And so I'm support, I support him because I believe, I've been there, and I know what it's like. And so I've been in that situation, and so I know what it's like, and I would have made the decision again and again and again. And so that's why I support him. But I just don't feel – I feel like it should be something that is done – in a mass, something that should be done at a federal level, because the, you know it's not in a president's position. And please, nobody quote me, because I don't know. Anything. <laughs> I'm just saying. But think about it. In a president's position, like I said, he know he has an overall look at. He has to look at the different countries. He has to look at the United States. You know, so he sees the different statistics that cross his desk. So he pretty much knows what he's, you know, he's got to be pretty savvy and knows what he's talking about to even have the guts to run, okay? And if he knows what he, and we have to make the choices to put somebody there who knows what they're talking about, you know? And if we just, think, you know, if, if we think about those, think about those things, then we'll think about the fact that, you know, I need to put somebody in office who knows what, this man seems to me that he knows what he's talking about, you know, because I, I felt, you know, I've been heartfelt there more than a time. Yeah. It's been a time or two. And so that's where my heart is because I understand what he's saying because I have been there. And I would hate to see one other young girl, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, I would hate to see one other young girl have to go for a bag alley abortion. Yeah. You know, that's a, and some reasons why kids gone by, it's based on a true story. It's based on true stories. 
and I really wish people would pick it up in the masses because if they would read what was in the book, nobody would ever disagree with a back, never agree to a back alley abortion again in life. Sure, we have about 30 seconds left. Will you just real quickly give us your information on your website? Sure. Uh, I'm going to give you my um, my email address. It's C-H-E-R-Y-L-W-I-L-L-I-A-M-S-5-4 at AOL.com. Cheryl Williams at AOL.com. That's C-H-E-R-Y-L-W-I-L-L-I-A-M-S. Five four at aol dot com, and the name of the book is Some Reasons Why Kids Gone By. I'd like to come back and join you guys maybe on another show. Um, I've started a second book. It's called Tears Left Uncried, and it's it's based on true stories again. But this time, it's like the worst thing that ever happened to you in life, and that one's got some crazy stories in it. Too. <laughs> And I thank you guys for having me. It's always great to be here. You guys are such entertainers, and I appreciate you entertaining me with your questions, and I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Well, we thank you for joining us again. And with that being said, you've been listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. We thank you for joining us tonight, and we ask that you come uh, back and listen on Wednesday at 9 p.m. Thank you, good evening, and God bless you. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.